already ruined beyond any suitable repair I could suggest. The man's eyes widened and his face flushed with a sudden flash of anger. He took a menacing step closer to Adam and glowered fiercely. I demand you do something for this injury. Adam swayed again. He glanced at the barrel of the pistol, then looked back at the man. Perhaps I could apologize for not knowing the young woman was happily married and not a lonely widow after all. The two flimflam artists exchanged panicky glances once again. Apparently Adam wasn't the first quarry in their game of chicanery. No doubt they had expected him to quiver, deny any wrongdoing, and jump at the chance to buy his way out of a bloody and most assuredly painful death. Most gentlemen probably would. Not Adam. He should have known this would not be a good evening to find a tavern, drown in a bottle of brandy, and console himself with a willing woman. At the time, the thought of one more lonesome evening in that cold, godforsaken cottage was more than he could bear. Death could not be worse than the utter feeling of despair that had gripped him for two years. Though Adam and the woman had barely made it past a few uninspiring kisses and several hastily felt caresses, he liked to think he was on the verge of forgetting his torment for a few moments and simply enjoying the lust of being a man. "'You can bloody well give us your money, and be quick about it, too,' the trickster demanded, rolling his right shoulder, making the pistol bobble carelessly in his hands. "'You're a wealthy gentleman. She heard you talking in the tavern. You've a big estate north of here. Now hand over your purse.' Adam had willingly given up his wild and undisciplined behaviour of bachelor life when he'd met and married Annie— He'd left the proper, respected life of a gentleman after she died. For two years he'd been just a man. An ordinary man who looked after his estate and occasionally astounded his tenants by herding his own sheep. But what he'd never left behind was his honour. He would die with that intact. He turned his weary attention back to the threatening man and his conspirator. I'd rather be shot. You don't believe I'll do it, do you? the crook said gruffly, almost poking Adam in the chest with the barrel. On the contrary, Adam said, I'm asking you to. He held out his hands, palms up. My pockets are empty, he said unapologetically, even though it was a bold-faced lie. I came up here believing I was going to pay the lonely widow with a shot of brandy and an evening in a soft bed enjoying my favours. Oh, you despicable brute! The woman screamed at Adam and then whirled to confront her husband. Give me the pistol, you coward! I'll shoot him myself! She pulled him toward her and grabbed for the gun. The man jerked away and shoved her to the floor. Despite his unsteady legs, Adam lunged for the husband and quickly deflected the weapon from his chest with his hand. The ball exploded from the barrel with a crack loud enough to wake the dead and landed harmlessly in the wall. Adam was head and shoulders taller than the thug and outweighed him by at least two stone. It really wasn't a contest to take the spent firearm away from him, toss it to the floor and flatten him against the wall. Adam pressed a forearm against the man's throat and gazed into his shifty, frightened eyes. A frown tugged at the corners of Adam's mouth, and he released the culprit and stepped back. It didn't look as if this were going to be his lucky day to die, after all. Chapter 2. Who Alone Suffers, Suffers Most in the Mind. King Lear, Act 3, Scene 6. 
Late winter. It was seldom warm on the northern coast of Yorkshire, and the breeze never completely died away. Sunshine wasn't a regular visitor to the area either. It didn't matter. Grey skies and cold, damp wind suited Adam. His cottage was less than a half-hour's trudge from the craggy cliffs that lined the shore below. He knew the way as well as he knew the back of his hand. Over the past two years he'd made the trek to the water so many times that his footsteps had beaten the path across the stony, uneven ground. Looking out across the vast North Sea brought him a measure of peace he'd found nowhere else. The first time Adam had made the short journey it had crossed his mind to jump into the turbulent waves below. But he had never been a coward, and leaving this world would have been the easy way out of his pain. Living meant bearing the agony and misery of his wife's death and his part in it. He reached down and patted Pharaoh's warm...